All right. That's the way to start a midweek, isn't it? Hey, give somebody a high five and take a seat. It's a great night already. I uh, was standing over there singing beside my wife, Ann, who's speaking tonight in a second. And uh, she said to me, I think it's been like two years since you've been out here singing with me instead of up there in the band. And I think she's right. And I, and I don't get to experience what you guys just experienced from down there. I'm usually up here. And I'll tell you what, these guys are good. They are really good. Thank you. I mean, it's just so, just something I need in the middle of the week. I don't know about you. It's just a moment to uh, regroup and recenter and worship the one who deserves worship. And so here's what we're going to do is, as I introduce and bring Ann up. We're going to take our offering right now so uh, that she doesn't have to worry about that. And uh, I want to thank you that give. Thank you for giving. And those of you new, if you want to give, you certainly can or you can be our guest. But the ushers are going to pass. They don't know this yet, but they're going to pass the pouches right now as I uh, do a couple things. Okay, so there's three reasons I'm wearing Lions camo gear. Anybody want to take a guess? Number one. Number one reason, yeah, it's free. It was free. <laughs> I pay it, I guess I'm paying for it somehow, but it was free. Um, no, the first reason is really the most important is, I don't know if you know this, but in the NFL, October is breast cancer month. That's why you see teams wear pink during that month. November is military uh, appreciation month. And so we wear this one time on a home game that was this past Sunday when we beat the Browns, huh? Right? Um, and so this is what we want on the sideline to appreciate and honor our military men and women who are serving, who have served. And I just wanted to wear it tonight to say, I honor you. Thank you for what you do. You should give everybody a hand right now. Anybody that's served. In fact, fact, stand up. Stand up. If you've served in any way, stand up. I want to thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very, very much. So that's the most important reason. The second reason is to remind you that three weeks from tonight, anybody know what we're doing here? We have December 6th, is three weeks from tonight. This is our last midweek until that midweek. We have Lions Night, which means I'm going to bring, and Ann's going to bring our Lions ministry, some of the guys and their wives, and they're going to be on the stage, and we're going to have a great night. And so you want to get here early, and, and, and one of the reasons we do this is to encourage you to bring an, uh, somebody that come, doesn't come to our church. Invite them to Lions Night. A lot of times they'll come to that instead of maybe a weekend, and they may like it, and then show up with you on a weekend. So that's why they do it. So that's December 6th. And again, get here early. Ann and I spoke at a marriage conference this weekend. There were a thousand people there, and I invited them all to December 6th Lions Night. So I think some of them are going to come. So maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. Anyway, all right. And then the third reason is tonight is our last night of the Exhale series, and it's called Worship is War. And the woman that's going to speak to you tonight is a warrior. When Ann and I started dating 38 years ago, we were dating, and I remember thinking when I was dating her, this woman is a warrior for God. Then I married her, and she is like my, my partner, my soldier, my comrade in the battle. And she lives what she's going to talk about tonight. Trust me on this. She is a warrior. It's, it's her identity, and I love that about her. And so I want to honor her as she comes up and say, you've got a warrior woman about to bring you the battle worship news. Come on up. I really like him, and he's cute, too. 
I'm going to pray as we start. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, we ask, we know that you're here in our presence. And so, Father God, we pray that you would come boldly, that we would allow you to speak, that we would allow you to open and churn our hearts, that you would captivate us with your beauty, you would captivate us with your truth, and you would set us free. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of prayer. And thank you for worship, that it sets us free and you are fighting for us. So speak to us now, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, this is going to be a weird question coming from a woman, but have any of you been in an actual fight, physical fist fight? Some of you have. Yeah, some of you have. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of you, actually. (laughs) All right, so I have. I've been in two. The first time I was in the second grade, and um, this boy in class looked at me, and he whispered, you look like a monkey. And I said, you take that back. He goes, no, because you do. And I said, I'm going to fight you after school. (laughs) And so you guys, it was... It was one of those, like, you see it on TV, how the kids all gather around, and we did it off the school property. And so we, everybody was gathered around. We was on the sidewalk in front of this school, and I was that little tomboy. I was always playing football. I had two brothers and a sister. And so he was the best athlete in school. But, man, I knew how to tackle, so I went for his legs. I took him down. I got his hand behind his back, and I made him say, you say, you say that I don't look like a monkey. You say it. And finally, he said, you don't look like a monkey. I'm like, okay, now you can go. He, he later ended up being my boyfriend. <laughs> Second one, I'm 12 years old, and I'm at a school carnival. And I'm with my best friend, and we're wearing the same outfit, because that was cool back then. And I go around the corner, and there's this girl that I know. She was a ninth grader. She weighed about 250 pounds, and she had this boy on the ground punching him. And calling him a puny little jerk. And this is this part in me that rises up. And I said, let him go. And she looked at me. You know, I was the same size I am now, but I weighed like 100 pounds. And she goes, what are you going to do about it? And I said, I will make you stop. And so she goes, all right, come over here. And this kid takes off. And everything in me was like, I'm going to take her down. It's like Goliath. You know, I had no, no Christian. I didn't even know Goliath. I had no Christian upbringing. So I'm, I'm going over there. I'm, th- I'm thinking in my head. I'm planning and strategizing. I'm going to go down for her legs. I'm going to take her down. And then I have it all in my head. So I go in there. I go low to tackle her. And she takes her fist and she punches me in the head so hard. I fly flat on my back. I, I mean, it hurt so bad. I wanted to cry like a baby right there. I couldn't even get up. It, it was like a concussion. And she looked at me and said, yeah, you think you can do it? And she started mocking me. And I kind of got up and I went home. And I went home and cried. Like, that was very traumatic. But as I was thinking about this this week, I thought, why would I do that? Why would I fight people? Like, what is that in me? And the thing that came into my mind was that, It's so weird, but I felt like God said, because I put that in you to fight for people's identities. Because that boy that said that to me, he was was saying to me, you look like a monkey. And I was like, that's not who I am. 
And when you're in the second grade, we defend ourselves. Like, no, we're, but if that would have happened to me in middle school or high school, I would have been like, you're right. What happens that we don't defend that anymore? And, and that girl, that she was telling this boy who he was, and that's not who he was. That's not God, who God says he was. And so when I look at that, I think that's part of my identity as a warrior to fight for people's identities. And I don't know if you know this, but we are all in a war. Every single one of us is in a battle. You may not be aware of it, but there's a spiritual realm that is in our midst right now. And you know who the battle is over? Us. You. Because God has a plan when he created you. He created you with this unbelievable plan and purpose. And he looks at you and goes, you're my daughter. And I I put this in you. And when you do it, you will experience my freedom and my joy. You're my son. And when you live out what I created you to do, you will experience the most joy you will ever receive. And it will advance my kingdom. Because God's goal is that he brings us, his children, into his kingdom. That's his first goal. And then his other goal is once we're in the kingdom, we live out what he created us to do. And when we do it, we take territory. We set people free. We let them know who they are, who Jesus says they are. And there's another person that will do everything in his power and a kingdom that will do everything in their power that you will never live that out. First of all, that you will never get into the kingdom And secondly, that you will never live out your kingdom destiny. And that is Satan. And so when I look at that, I feel like the thing that I want to do is bring people into the battle to let them know how to fight. Because John 10.10 says the thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And what did Jesus say? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what does all that have to do with worship? We are in a battle, and part of worship is going to battle. And I'm going to kind of take you through this. Because when Cody first asked me to do this, I'm like, what? Worship is war. What What do you mean by that? And so that helped me start thinking, like, singing helps us to win. Now, okay, this is what I'm thinking. I was at my dad's in Georgia, and I'm sitting on the deck thinking about singing. Because I hear a lot of guys say, you know, that singing thing, that's kind of for women. You know, the women sing, and I'm, I'm just kind of standing there. And then I thought of this. What about fight songs? Do you guys, do high school football teams have fight songs? Yes, right? College teams, do they have fight songs? Yes. Pro teams, do they have fight songs? Dave Wilson, you come up here. You need to do the Lions fight song. Yes. Come on. He's been actually practicing this all day today. All right, here we go. Yeah. yeah. Here goes. Anybody know this song? Do you know Gridiron Heroes? Yes. We sing it after every <laughs> touchdown. Stand up with me right now. Get up <laughs> off your feet. I want to see if you guys know this song. I might have to look at the words. I think I know it, but I might have to look at the words. I don't know. We'll see. I don't need to look at the words. I know it. It goes like this. Forward down the, the field, field. A charging team that will not, not yield. yield. And when the blue and silver wave, stand and cheer the brave. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, Go hard. Go hard, fight your win. <laughs> and honor we will never end. Down, down the field and gain our lion's victory. Go, Go on. On. 
Come on. Nobody. Okay, wait, wait. Don't That's leave. It. Don't leave. What? So, why do you think you guys sing that? We don't sing it. Theo <laughs> sings it with his hard hat on. But I tell you what, when we score a touchdown and we hear that and we look up in the stands and see all you guys dancing around and chest button and all that stuff, it is an anthem of a, of a battle cry. Yeah. It really is. Every team has one. Every team, every army has yeah. a fight song. Okay. Am so, I done? Yeah, that was yeah. really good. Good job, honey. So I was thinking that, and part of that, fight songs are identity. Because when you sing your song, you know instantly. If I played Michigan State fight song, you stayed, you would know that. Michigan. I could sing the Ohio State one, but you would probably be really mad at me. But I thought I was a Finley, Finley Trojan. That's who I was. I was a UK, Kentucky Wildcat, Detroit Lion. But then I was thinking, yeah, but that's just games. Those are games. That's not true warfare, right? So then I looked this up. You, all of you who stood up, does the military, do they have fight songs? Right? Watch this. Air Force. That's good enough, right? Every single, every single unit has that fight song. And you, haven't you heard them all? I know those songs. Why do they have fight songs? Have you ever thought about that? Here's what I thought a fight song reminds us of, who we are, right? It reminds us of who we are. A fight song reminds us of whose we are or what team we're a part of. And a fight song reminds us, let me ask you, of all the military, who is the commander-in-chief? There is one, right? It's the president. And so who is our commander in chief? Jesus. It's God, right? And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, oh my gosh. So if our military have a fight song, it says, this is the team I am on. And there's something that happens when we sing it together in unison. There's something that stirs our heart. That's like, I am a part of this team. This is who we are. And it stirs up your excitement and your motivation. And I was thinking that, that then I thought, what's, what's a battle that people have been in in the Bible? And the thing that came to my mind were the Israelites. Do you remember when the Israelites were in, they were in slavery for 430 years in Egypt, right? The people at that time, the Jewish people had never lived in freedom ever. And so then Moses comes, God sets them free by putting all these plagues in Egypt. And Pharaoh finally says, get out, get out and go. I don't want you anymore. So 2 million people leave their slavery and they're walking into freedom. 
And you talk about a battle. They have just entered freedom and tasted it for the first time in their lives. And then what happened was Pharaoh's thinking, oh my gosh, my entire workforce is gone because they were slaves. I have made a huge mistake. We need to go and get them back. So his army starts racing after them again. And it says this in Exodus 14. So here he is, he's approaching, he's, he's, he's going to meet the Israelites to bring them back. And it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Now, now think about this. These guys have never tasted freedom and you've never tasted freedom. You live in bondage and you have a bondage mentality. And they, they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You talk about whiny people, man. You know, like wouldn't it have been hard to lead them? And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Listen to this part. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Because this is the part I want you to see. I want you to read this with me. Because the Lord will fight for you. What's the next part say? You need only to be still. Have you ever thought of that? God will fight for us. You need only to be still. And God does fight for them because the Red Sea, not a brook, not a river, the Red Sea parts. And these two million people go walking on dry land to the other side. And when they get to the other side, the water comes back on and it covers that Egyptian army. And I look at that and I thought, oh my gosh, who were they? They were the Egyptians. Whose team were they on? God's team. And who fought for them? God himself. So when I look at our lives, I don't know what you guys are like, but for me, what I'm like is I get in trouble and I think, what am I going to do? Do you ever do that? Like, what's my plan? What's my strategy? And look what Moses said. Keep your eyes on God. Just be still and let him fight for you. And then they get over to the dry land And they go into this worship song. You talk about spontaneous worship. Miriam, Moses' sister, just breaks out in this song. And because Moses recorded it, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this was their first fight song. It was their first fight song. Because then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And I'm going to have us all, I'm not going to have us sing it because I don't know the team, but I want us to read this together, okay? And just grasp it and let it sink into you. So here we go. We're going to start with, I will sing. Ready? I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Listen to this part. Let's say it. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots in his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. 
The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Isn't that good? God is this mighty warrior who fights for us on our behalf. And so this message is going to be pretty simple. But here's my first thought. Worship singing forges. It forges. To forge means to make or shape a metal object by heating it in a fire or furnace and beating or hammering it. So worship singing forges this powerful weapon. Have you ever thought of that? When we're singing, when we just got done singing, did you ever think that, oh my gosh, as I am singing, I'm forging this weapon that I can take into battle. By singing, I can take it into battle. I remember hearing this story a few weeks ago. It was on Facebook or something. But a Navy SEAL talked about being in hell week on the week that they would be up all night. And he said it was the thing that they were doing, that they were laying in the mud and the water. And it was freezing there all night. And the water's washing over them and they're shivering and they're freezing. And they're just saying, just, just get out. Like, just quit, just quit. And he said, one lone guy started to sing. All you could hear, it's pitch black. You could just hear him sing. And then somebody else joined him in singing. And somebody else joined him in singing. And pretty soon, that whole group were singing. And he said, something about that kept my eyes on the prize, kept me thinking, I can do this. My teammates, my, my companions are with me. We're singing together. We're fighting together. That's why it's so good that we're here. It's good to listen, but there's something about being here, looking at each other, being arm in arm in battle that just enforces that, isn't it? I have to tell you that a lot of you know that my sister died years ago when she was 45 years old. And she had, she did not have an easy life. She had sexual abuse. Um, She was in a tough marriage. And I remember this one time she stayed at my house. She had four little boys. I had three little boys. And I woke up and I happened to notice the light was on downstairs. It was 4.30 in the morning. And I walked downstairs and she's on the couch with her Bible out. And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, this is the only time I have to spend time with God. The kids are going to be up and this is the only time I have to pray. I'm reading my Bible, I have my worship music on, and this is my time. And I picked up her journal, and there's not a day missing. Every single day, she's opening her Bible, reading. And I said, hey, you don't miss a day? She goes, can you miss a day? I'm like, wow. She can't miss a day because that's how much she needs him. And the thing that I thought was, she's forging a weapon in battle. And so years later, when I saw her at the end of her life, it was the week before she passed away, she would have me read the Bible to her. And then she would play worship music. And it just, you could just see it seeping into her soul. You could see it just giving her what she needed for the day. You could see it giving her strength. And I remember looking at her. And it was like this. She asked me, all 80 pounds of her, to stand and get up out of the chair because she was had this worship music on. And she wanted to stand in reverence for the king, the God her savior, who she had spent decades with, hours with, 
weeks and months with. She was beseeching him in all that time. We think, oh, I'm just reading the word. Oh, I'm just singing these songs. Oh, I'm just at church. Oh, I'm just praying. All that time, she was forging this weapon that when it came time for the true battle, she stood all 80 pounds of her, and she was like this. And I, I sat watching her, and I thought, that is a warrior. That is what I want. I want to forge a weapon that when war comes and the battle comes, I can pull out this sword that time that we spent in the word, the time in prayer. And worship does this. It's like when you're here, you guys, you're, you're making this thing. You're forging it. I, I want one like this, don't you? Because when we get in battle, it's like I want to use this and wield it in a way that the enemy is scared. Like they're like, oh my gosh, she's coming. Get away. She's got her sword out. Don't you want to do that? Like, this is what we want. We want a church that we're all doing this because the battle's going on. All the time, you're in your head, aren't you? Like in the lies, like you're nothing. You can't do that because the enemy doesn't want you to live out this. He's petrified of us because the living God of the universe lives in us. Do you know what power you have? Do you know who you are? Because when you walk like this, the enemy flees. And that's what I want. I want that because God put in me, he's put in you, that he wants to set the captive free. And worship music sets us free. I'm sweating. (laughs) I said that to Dave even worshiping. He goes, that's because you're in battle. Like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing, too, that I thought. Well, I'll I'll save that part for the end. So that's the first one. Does that make sense? Worship singing forges a powerful weapon. And as part of that army, we are forging that. Here's the second thing. Worship singing fights and it pushes back the darkness. It pushes back the darkness. There is more going on than singing songs because the enemy of our souls hates us ascribing worth to the king. When you lift up your voice, the enemy is enraged. The first time I saw this um, was back when I I must have been probably 22, and Dave was probably 25 or 24. And the seminary that we went to, we got in a small group. It happened to be the president of the seminary. He was a prof. And he said, Dave and Ann, I'd love for you to be in part of my small group. I just bring all these people from the city that I meet, and I ask them to come into my small group. And he kind of warned us when we first got in. He goes, one of the girls, Jan, is schizophrenic. Not schizophrenic, sorry, multiple personalities. And I'm like, really? I don't even know what that, like, what does that mean? Well, he said, some Jan's 21, and sometimes she'll come as Jan is 21. Sometimes she'll be like Bob, and she's, he's nine. And so you don't know who you're going to encounter. He said, but the first time we met her, she was possessed. And Dave and I are like, is, is this like for real? Does that stuff even happen? And so she had become a believer, and she was really getting free. 
And so we were at our group. We'd been in it for a while. And Don asked Dave to bring his guitar. And he said, Dave, I want you just to lead us in worship. Jan was free, but she still hadn't gotten rid of a lot of her stuff. And so she had this oppression sometimes that I wasn't aware of. And I, wasn't, I didn't know what triggered it. So Dave starts playing the guitar. And we're doing these worship songs that are really the word of God. And as Dave is playing and we're all singing, Jan starts screaming and like ripping across her face with her fingernails and holding her ears and rocking back and forth. I am like, what the heck is happening right now? And I'm looking at Dave like, do you know what's happening? He's like, I don't even know where I am right now. Like, what's happening? And so I'm looking over there and she's just clawing her face. And Don's like, everybody, like, get a hold of it. She had probably five guys trying to hold this little 21-year-old down and they couldn't. And so finally, Don says, get out the word, somebody start reading scripture over her about the blood of Christ. And he's, he's saying, like, get out the word, make her read the blood of Christ. Let's, let's do go over her. Let's sing. And so I am like, I felt like I was in a different world. I, had, I was not aware of spiritual warfare. I was like, I'm happy in Jesus and this is all good. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is right now. It was the first time I saw warfare. Warfare. And I'll never forget Dave and I going to bed that night and I looked at him and I'm like, what happened tonight? And all I know is he goes, all I know is I've never realized how powerful the word of God was. And I've never realized how powerful worship music is. Because what happens is worship singing fights. It pushes back the darkness. You have declared war when you sing a worship song because you have instantly stated whose team you're on and who you fight for. Does that make sense? When you're singing all the other music, I mean, and I love other music. It doesn't have to be like, oh, Christian, it's great music. But when you declare the name of Jesus, you have now taken a side and the enemy hates it. And so I look at that and the other thing that happened, like I've seen that now several times. I was in Israel several years ago and I'm with all these Palestinian believers that are just worshiping and we're all worshiping. And I keep looking at this lady over here to my side and she was, she was a Palestinian woman and she is like doing this and she's just so bothered and she's doing this. And I'm like, wow, this lady cannot be a believer. She hates this and she's just tormented. And I thought, man, oh man, she is like in, it was pain. She was in pain. And when we were done, she came over to me and she goes, I need help. I need help. And I said, what's happening? She goes, I am so agitated. I said, Are you, have you given your life? Do you know Jesus? She said, yes, but I am so still in bondage. I can't get free. And when I hear those songs, something happens in me that makes me just want to tear my hair out. Because every time I hear God is good, I hear God is bad. Every time I hear all these good things about bad, all of a sudden it twists. I hear in my head the opposite. And so she, here's what she said to me. I need deliverance. And, you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm looking like, are there any warriors here? And we prayed for her and she really like for after a while, she really got free and you could see this 
like this mask come off her face of like, and she needed other believers around her to help her to get free. Have you ever heard of that happening any other time? That music comforts the soul too? How about David? Do you remember in the Old Testament, many times the Holy Spirit would come and rest an anointing on someone. And sometimes then it would leave. Now, if you give your life to Christ, you have God's spirit in you and it doesn't leave. But back then, Saul was anointed king, but out of his disobedience, God removed the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, a spirit came and tormented King Saul. And so he asked for David to come. Some of the guys that were, that were with Saul said, we know of a, guy, a boy that when he plays, People love it. And so David would come, play his harp, and it would soothe and comfort Saul. That's the power of worship. Let me ask you, what are you listening to? And I'm I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I'm saying, do you understand the power that music brings to your soul? This is the weirdest thing for the last, and maybe it's because I'm going through, my dad has stage four cancer, and maybe it's, that God knows I need this. But for the past three weeks, I have been waking up. The second I wake up, I have this song in my head. It's, it's, it's a song. The second I wake up. One time, I didn't even know the song. I just had these lyrics going in my head. And I Googled the lyrics. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a song. It's a worship song. And the thing I thought was, because I'm just, I need it so much, I'm in warfare, and I'm just flooding myself with worship continually, it's almost as this God singing over me all night. Do you know what I mean? Like to protect me and to comfort me and to soothe me. That's going on all night. And then here's the other thing that worship does. So does this make sense? Worship singing forges a powerful weapon. Worship singing fights and it pushes back the darkness. And then worship seeing freeze. It frees us from the enemy's lies and bondage. This is one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. And I'm going to read it. There's a lot, but I want to just kind of sit in some of these moments and go over it. So this is from Second um, Chronicles 20. And I love it because it says this. This is a story of when King... I don't know if it's Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat. People pronounce it both ways. But he was the king of Israel at this time. And here's, we're going to start here. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he, look what he did. He begged the Lord for guidance. Is that your first step when you hear something scary is going to happen? Oh my gosh, something bad's going to happen. The first thing this king does is he goes directly where? To God for guidance. And then he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Well, this is a great king. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And this is what he prayed. Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And we don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. 
And then as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there, and his name was Jehaziel. And he said, now it's interesting too, because I'm thinking, here we are, we're begging God. Here we oh God, we're asking you. And God doesn't say it through to the king. He says it to this man out here. And here's what he says to this man. He says, listen to you, people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory because he is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Here's what I'm thinking. Now, just think of like a vast army is coming to destroy the United States. And the military, they get together. Here's the president. Here's our generals. And they're all deciding, what should we do? And this man stands up in their group and he says, here's what I think we should do. I think we should get up there and just let God fight for us. We should just stand there. Would that plan? I'm, we think like, oh, it's the old time. That's cool. They did that. Would, this is a real army and all these armies are coming together to destroy Israel. Can you imagine if this was the plan? Let's just stand there and see what God does. I am amazed that they followed through on this. Because look then what King Jehoshaphat does. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Remember two weeks ago when Cody was going through the names of praise and he made us do a shout, like just scream? That's that word for praise. A very loud, stood to praise the Lord. And they gave a very loud shout. And then after consulting the people, the king appointed, listen to this part. He appoints singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now listen to this part. And at that very moment, at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies to start fighting among themselves. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. And they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. That is a miracle. Isn't that amazing? Would there be a day that we just say, God, I need you to fight for me. I need a miracle. And do you think God's saying, yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, you don't deserve it. When we go to God and we just say, God, I just need your help. I need you to go before me and fight. Were any of you here when Bethel came and did their concert? Do any of you remember um, Melissa Hessler when she sang? She was talking about singing this song. 
and how she has a chronic illness and she's continually debilitated. And she said she woke up this one morning in so much pain and she felt so hopeless. And she said, God, I just need you to take it away. I just need you to remove it. And she felt like he said, I want you to sing out of it. And she, she said, God, no, like, I don't want to. I'm too tired. And he told her again, I want you to sing out of it. And so then she got up and she's about to dry her hair. And she goes, God, I'm serious. Like, I don't want to do it. I feel I'm in so much pain. I feel hopeless. I'm so discouraged. I don't want to do it. And he said, I want you to sing your way out. And it was so amazing. She said she started drying her hair. And she, these lyrics, she just started to sing them out. And she's saying, I am strong and full of life. I am steadfast, no compromise. And she sang it like, like a warrior would sing it. Like singing, not what she felt, but what she knew was to be true. And so then the rest of the lyrics go, I lift my sails to the sky. I'm going to catch the wind. I am bold, no fear inside. Spread my wings, open my life like an eagle whose home is the sky. Your faithfulness will never let me down. I'm confident I'll see your goodness now. I know you hear my heart. I'm singing out. There's nothing that can stop your goodness now. Isn't that good? Because we, you, here's the truth. You are meant to fly. If I could take you each, just look in your face of what God sees and he says, oh my gosh, do you know what I put in you? Do you know the greatness that I put in you? You know the world that I put in you to conquer and the territory to take and the people to set free? I put that in you and the enemy wants to suck the life, the joy, the purpose. He wants to take your life and I want to give you life to the full. God is saying, spread your wings and let me free you to be the people you create. I created you to be. And Satan is saying, I will do anything in my power to distract you, to discourage you, to speak lies into you. And every single day, here's the enemy. He pokes us. You ever notice that? He just pokes you. Is that, is that, is that true? Somebody calls, says you look like a monkey. That's the truth. Somebody says you're no good at that. That the enemy says that's the truth and God is continually fighting because Satan wants just to crawl like a slug and to be useless and worthless and for you to think my, my life has no purpose and God is saying open your wings open your sing it out like sing your way out of it and so when I sit there and I think I want to sing my way out when I got in the car two weeks ago when I was coming home from Georgia I'd been with my dad for eight days. I love him. And to watch him, like he's, he has been a strong man. He's been a self-made man. And he's the one that when my sister gave her life to Christ, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, that religious Jesus stuff is okay for your sister because she's weak but you are strong like me. And so you need to stay away from that because it's a crutch. And when I watched my sister 
in strength and power and a warrior lifting her her sword, I thought, that is not strong. That is not weak. That is strong. She is a warrior. And so now I'm watching my dad as he's battling for his life. And when I got in the car to leave their house, I was so discouraged because I've seen this self-made man who has conquered so much in his life by his own strength. And he's built worlds. He's built kingdoms on this planet. And I'm watching him in the spiritual realm. And he's given his life to Jesus, but he's never, I've never seen him once open a Bible. I've never seen him once pray. And I've never seen him once sing. And he hasn't forged anything eternally. He's only built a kingdom on the earth. And so now when I'm watching him at the end be so weak, I told Dave, it's just like he, he's pulling out a toothpick. Do you know, like he doesn't have anything. And so when I got in the car to come home, I just, have you ever been in a situation where you feel defeated? You feel hopeless? You feel like, how am I gonna keep going? And I just felt that darkness and the lies and the things just like, I just felt overwhelmed by life. And I felt that same thing that Melissa Hessler came to my mind where it's, I felt like God was saying, sing your way out of it, sing it, sing it, Anne. Forge that sword, forge that weapon. And so I stuck, I, I put on my music and for two hours, I sang straight driving home. And I was singing as loud as I could sing. And it was almost like these shackles and chains and blinders and it just kept falling off and falling off and it was a reminder of who you are God who you are God this is who you are God this is who I am this is my fight song I'm gonna fight for you God that's who we are do you realize that worship singing is a weapon like let's use the weapon because here's what I thought when I was praying for my dad and I think he's I don't want that to put him down but the truth is some of us get so preoccupied with this world we aren't building into the eternal world that we will spend forever and I've prayed I'm like God I will lift my sword for him I will pray for him I will go to battle for him and that's what we can do for our brothers and sisters our family like let's go to battle for them let's take back the ground let's have a revival in our own hearts that spreads all throughout Kensington wouldn't that be awesome for us to do that that this place becomes a beacon and a lighthouse that people are like oh my gosh I want to go there because there's life there I want to become and I sit there I feel like this is who I am and who I'm meant to be and that's what takes us there and so here's what I want us to do to close I want us to um, I'm going to do some listening prayer where I'm just going to take us on this journey where I want you to think through and I'll take us there of the things that you're just carrying that are just heavy, you know? And I just want you to give them to God. And I'm gonna give us space to be able to do that. And I want you to really just go there in your minds and your hearts and just go where I take you as I speak like an imaginary thing of where we're gonna go. So Father, I'm gonna have you just close your eyes. Father, here we are, your warriors, your sons and daughters who you've called us, your children, 
And Lord, we come before you asking you to speak to us and asking you to take our burdens and the lies and the bondage and the things that, that the enemy continues to poke at us and whisper in our ears. So I'm going to have you as you're sitting there, I want you to imagine that you're on the top of this mountain, but the mountain has all of this green grass. The sky is bright blue and the sun is full and there are no clouds in the sky. And you're walking in that field, that grass, and you see there's a cross in the middle of the field and you see yourself walking to the cross. And you see that Jesus standing on the cross, at the cross. What's that feel like to see him? And as you're walking toward him, all of a sudden you're realizing you have all the things that you're carrying that are weighing you down. They're in your hands. Maybe they're the lies that you've believed. Maybe it's the anxiety or the depression or the worry or the sickness or the fear or just the anxiety that you're experiencing every day and you've been carrying it a long time. And as you stand before Jesus, he gives you that look and he's saying, let me have it. I want you to picture yourself handing it over to him. What does that look like as you're handing it over? What's he doing with it as he gets rid of it? And now let him speak over you. Jesus, what do you want me to know about what I've been carrying? And Jesus, what's the truth that I need to know about who I am? And as you're with Jesus, I want you to picture him taking you by the shoulders and just whispering one more thing to you that he wants you to know about the war and the battle. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for worship. Your kingdom is full of it. It's a language that we speak here on earth but we have it because it's already been sung in heaven. Lord Jesus, may you set us free. May we fly with wings as we open it up to do what you've called us to do. May we be an army together that transforms our families, our lives, our city, our world for your kingdom, God. Take back the ground. Take back the city. Take back our homes. Will you fight for us, God? We will just stand still. We will sing out to you. And as we sing, here's what I want us to, to remember and think. As we sing, just like in Chronicles, as we begin to sing, I want you to almost picture what he's doing with the things you've given him and what he wants you to know. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.